I'm sure that uh, you all know what day it is, at least a lot of you do, because I see you wearing green. St. Patrick's Day. Well, do you know what that day is all about? Well, it seems to be just celebrating Irish culture, whether you're Irish or not. Uh, my wife, who is part Irish, tells me, you know, they don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland because they're Irish all year long. Well, what is St. Patrick's Day really about? Well, it was to honor the Christian Saint Patrick. But what do you know about Patrick? Well, I want to give you a, a little quiz this morning about St. Patrick, see what you know. But first of all, this encouragement, don't go home and tell people, yeah, today in church we heard about St. Patrick, okay? Because I'm not talking about St. Patrick in this message, I'm talking about Jesus. But it's interesting what St. Patrick did. So here's a few uh, true and false statements for you. St. Patrick was an Irish Catholic priest who worked in Ireland in the mid-5th century. True or false? A lot of people say true, but actually that statement is false. He was a Catholic priest. He was working in Ireland in the mid-5th century, but he was an Irish. In fact, he was British. He grew up in Great Britain, raised as a Christian, but as a young man, he forsook the Christian faith. When he was 16 years old, he was kidnapped by some Irish raiders and taken to Ireland. And he was there for six years. During that time of captivity, he turned his faith back to God. And after six years, he found a way of escape and he got back to Great Britain. He decided to devote his life then to serving God, and so he went through his education, and after about 15 years, became a Catholic priest, and that was the only church at the time, was the Catholic Church, and they sent him back to Ireland to serve the Christians who were there and to witness to the heathen. So that's how he got connected with Ireland, but he is an Irish <laughs> Right, what about this? He miraculously drove out all the snakes from Ireland. True or false? Despite what his t-shirt says, <laughs> the answer is false. That's just one of the several legends connected with Patrick. That's just a legend. There's no truth. It's a myth. He used the shamrock to teach about the Trinity. So that's how the shamrock is connected with Patrick. True or false? It's true, yeah. Because the uh, shamrocks were so abundant in Ireland, he found in them a symbol for the triune God. As the shamrock has the three petals, yet is one plant, uh, so our God has three persons, but it's one God. And so he found that as an easy way or a simple way to teach a rather complicated truth. So the shamrock is connected with St. Patrick. And one more. He designed the Celtic cross. You have that on your bulletin cover today. True or false? It's true. At least from what we can tell, the design of that cross was given to him. Because Patrick's mission was to tell people 
about Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross. And even though the cross is seen as an instrument of torture and death, he wanted to show the Irish that it was also a glorious thing. And so he put a circle behind it, which was to represent the sun. Because apparently back then, at least, the Irish people really enjoyed the sun and some even worshipped it. And so he was connecting it with the cross, that there is a glory there in the cross. All right, so that's a little background now on St. Patrick's Day. But it does lead us into what we want to do today. As we continue with our messages, CSI investigation, not crime scene, but Christ scene, and in particular, cross scene investigation, we want to see those same truths that Patrick was teaching others about the glory of the cross. So today, we're going to listen in on a, on a debate that Jesus had with the Jewish leaders all about his mission, which was about the cross. So we want to go there today to learn three important lessons from the cross. The Apostle John records for us that debate that he was having in chapter 8. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. For where I go, you cannot come. Now this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. So even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Interesting debate, huh? Well, let's go behind the scenes. 
Now I know that oftentimes when there is a crime, people, uh, the police rather put up that tape around the area. They don't want anybody interfering with the investigation. They will take care of it all. But this time we're gonna cross the line. We're gonna go behind the scenes so that we can learn from the cross three valuable lessons. One, about ourselves, two, about God, and three, about life. So let's start here with that first lesson about ourselves. You know, when there is a, a crime that's been committed, the police often do some background work. They want to find out who did it and why, so they do some background on the criminal, but they'll also maybe do some background on the victim as well. Well, Jesus was kind of giving us a background check as he is talking with the Jews. He reminded them that they were slaves of sin. Now, here's what he said. You are from below. In other words, you're of this world. I'm from above. You're of this world. I am not of this world. And I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, the Jews became upset when Jesus said that, right? They protested. We're the children of Abraham. We've never been slaves of anybody. Statement, false. If you look back at the Jewish history, they were at least seven times slaves under other nations. In fact, right now, under the Roman nation, they were like slaves. They were in servitude to them. But they couldn't see that. They didn't want to admit that. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a slave to sin. Now, nobody likes, nobody likes to hear that, right? We, we'd rather hear compliments. Tell me how good I am. Don't tell me how bad I am. That just turns people off. But that was the truth that they and that we need to hear. We're slaves to sin. Just look at your own life. Do you find, for example, that there are words you say that are, that are unkind or that are improper, and they just kind of come out of your mouth automatically? You're kind of a slave to that sin. Or maybe there's a, a desire for certain things. Maybe you like to, to listen to gossip. Maybe you like to uh, put other people down, criticize others, and you find yourself doing that often. You're a slave to that sin. By the nature we have when we're born, we're slaves to sin. We're, we're always led to temptations and often give in. And that's what Jesus was talking about, being a slave to sin. But he reminded that the consequences are very serious. You see, sometimes we just kind of blow over our sins. We might say, oh, sure, we're not like the great Apostle Paul. But you know what? Even the Apostle Paul admitted he was a great sinner. He said, the things that I know I shouldn't do, I constantly do those things. He even called himself the chief of sinners. Well, if he would say that, shouldn't we likewise admit we're slaves to sin? You know, over the centuries, speaking of legends like connected with St. Patrick, there were legends about the cross too, you know. What kind of wood was the cross made up of? And I say, who cares, right? 
But some people want to know, what, what tree was used to make that cross? And there's been all sorts of guesses. We have no way of knowing. Likewise, there's been legends about who made the cross. One legend uh, was uh, a man by the name of Justus. And uh, when he realized he had made the cross that crucified Jesus, he was horrified by that and stopped making crosses for the Romans. Probably another legend. Not true at all. But you know what? I know what the cross is made up of. And I know who made it. It's made up of our sins. And that cross was made by you and me. Remember that thief that was crucified next to Jesus? He admitted his sins. He said, we are here justly because we're getting the punishment for our crimes. But not Jesus. We are the ones who have crucified Jesus. Jesus even pointed that out when he was talking to the Jews. He said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, there's our cross-scene investigation clue, that phrase, when you have lifted him up. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the word you lets us know that we are the crucifiers of Christ. Just as that criminal confessed his own guilt so, when you, so you and I, too, must confess our guilt. Jesus was there, not because of his sins, but because of our sins. We're the ones who crucified him. And Jesus is telling us now, that is what we must believe. But he knows that he would be rejected, and so that really is the question. Do you reject this, or do you accept it, and then turn in repentance to Jesus? As we heard in one of our readings a little bit, a little bit ago, the message of the cross is foolishness to people. It just doesn't make sense to them. How could the world be saved because one man died on the cross? And how could that man be God? Because how could God die if he's God? So that's all foolishness to the world. But yet, that's God's wisdom. For his son to come into this world and take our place under God's wrath. To pay with his death the penalty that we should pay for our sins. So that now... We are free from that penalty. That's the wisdom of God. Do you reject that, which Jesus points out is a matter of life and death because then you will die in your sins, or do you accept that? Do you repent? That is, do you turn to him confessing your sins, but also professing trust in him as your Savior? That is the question that needs to be answered. And that's why St. Patrick used the shamrock to teach about God. That's why he put a sun, a circle, behind that cross to tell people the glory of that cross. We have this beautiful window in, in front of us, you know, every, every Sunday. And in there we are reminded of our salvation. We see the three crosses and that center one, that's Christ. We see the lamb pictured there as he was the sacrifice for our sins. We see the spirit of God in that dove 
coming upon that, that cross on the right, which that thief believed and accepted Jesus. And I don't know if you can see, it's not always easy to see, but there's the shape of a blue bird off on the right to symbolize God the Father. He's working in that. As Jesus said, my Father is with me. Those three crosses there re reminded me of a poem that I had in my files. I want to share that with you. Three crosses on a lonely hill, a thief on either side, and in between, the Son of God. How wide the gulf, how wide. Yet one thief spanned it with the words, O Lord, remember me. The other scoffed and turned aside to lost eternity. Forsaken is the hilltop now and all the crosses gone. But in believing hearts of men, the center cross lives on. And still, as when these sentinels first met earth's wandering view, the presence of the Lord divides upon which side are you. Now, I don't know if you celebrate St. Patrick's Day or not. I don't know if you're Irish or not, or if you just like the party or wear green or whatever. But we can all celebrate the message of that cross. And we celebrate it by accepting it, by receiving it what he said. It does. It saves. It is a matter of life and death. We simply need to repent and we receive that forgiveness from God. How is that so simple and so easy to do? It's because from the cross we also learn about God and his will for us. Listen to what Jesus pointed out. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God's will is for us to be free, to be free from our sin. And we, we might wonder, but when that, I keep getting stuck in it because I'm a slave to sin, how am I free from it? At the beginning of this chapter, John chapter 8, there was kind of a familiar account to us that happened. A woman who had been caught in the act of adultery by the Jewish leaders was brought to Jesus. And they were ready to stone her. And they asked Jesus if he would condemn her. And Jesus did not pick up a stone. In fact, he looked at those leaders and said, let the one among you who has no sin be the first to cast a stone. And they all, one by one, set their stones down and walked away. And that woman looked up at Jesus, knowing her guilt, and asked if he wasn't going to condemn her. And he said, no, you're forgiven, but go and sin no more. That's being set free being set free from the condemnation that our sins rightly deserved. It's knowing that and now going and living free of that guilt and living with a desire not to sin. 
Jesus went on. Very truly, I tell you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The father's will is to make us sons, that is to have us in his family. As Jesus pointed out, a slave, a servant could be let go at any time. And then they're no longer in the house and no longer under the the goodwill of that master. But a son has a permanent place in the father's home. And so by faith, we have all been made children of God. And we have a permanent place in his eternal home. That is God's will for us to be blessed with eternal life and eternal blessings. That's all going to happen because of his work, not ours. It'll all happen because of what he has done. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, that was the phrase referring to his crucifixion, that he would be lifted up on the cross. That was God's will, that he would pay the penalty for our sins. We wouldn't. But it's interesting to note that that phrase, lifted up, was also a phrase used to talk about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He had also defeated death and gives us life. And it was a phrase used to describe his ascension into heaven, where he is now enthroned and ruling over all things for us. That's why we are blessed, because Jesus lived, died, rose, and is enthroned for us. Now he calls us to be part of that, to hear it, to believe it, to accept it, to hold it, to follow it, to be part of his family forever. But the truth is, the cross divides. On which side of the cross are you? Understand that the cross is the only thing that saves. Jesus said, I am the way. Nobody comes through to the Father but through me. It's through Jesus that we are in the family of God. It's that simple. It's not complicated. That's the simple message we are to hear and to hold. It's the simple message that we as a church are to proclaim. Not how good we are to be, not what we ought to be doing, But this is what we believe and proclaim for salvation. Does that make a difference in your life? I know it does. That's why you're here. Let that cross make a difference every day in your life. Let it change you. Jesus tells us how it changes us. Here's what he said. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's telling us something about life. That life starts when we listen to his word. Now, we listen to a lot of things throughout life, don't we? I mean, you know, we hear political views. uh, We uh, discuss things with friends. 
we hear, that is, we see things going on in society that we tend to follow along and go with. And some of the stuff we hear is good and some of the stuff isn't good. And we've got to discern what's right and what's wrong. What should I hold to? What should I reject? And the way to know that is to listen to God's word. Because there is the wisdom of God. There is his will revealed. There we find the guidance and blessing that we need. But it's more than just listening. It's learning the lesson. Studying it, understanding it, and applying it. And that's why we have Bible classes that go on all week long. You know, we have got classes here at church, and then we have classes during the week in, in some of our members' homes. We call it our small group program. What a great way to, to learn and to understand and apply that life and discuss it with others. And you'll hear more about that on that sampler Sunday I talked about in the announcements. That's the key, to learn that word and then to live in that word. Not just hearing it, not just knowing it, but following it for all of the experiences we have in life. For that guilt we feel, to find relief in words of forgiveness. For that hurt we feel because we've been rejected by others or we've experienced some kind of a loss, you find comfort in God's word. For the lost, for the wandering, for the questioning, for those who are looking for guidance, for direction, you find it in God's word. And so the lesson for life is hold on to God's word. There is blessing. This week I, I heard of a story of a man who was working, and as he's working, one of his teeth falls out. And his co-worker noticed it and said, what's, what's wrong? <laughs> you got a tooth that just fell out. And the guy said, well, it's been loose for a while. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, it's out now. And his friend said, you know, you really should go to a dentist and get that checked out. Ah, I'm worried about it, he said. Well, a few days later, he started to feel some pain, you know, infection. And so his friend said, you know, you really need to go to the doctor and get that figured out. And he said, no, nah, I'm not worried about it. In fact, it'll go away. A couple days later, he died in his sleep. The infection got into his bloodstream and into his heart, and he died. You know, sometimes we ignore the little pains in life. Or sometimes we're smart and we think, I need to get this checked out and get some help. Sometimes we ignore the little sins in our life and think nothing of them. Sometimes we're not bothered about things that might be wrong or going the wrong path, believing the wrong thing. But we should get it checked out. We need to prevent truth decay. And you can do that by brushing up on your knowledge of the scriptures and what it tells you. Jesus was telling us, don't ignore the pain. Don't ignore what's wrong. Get the cure. He's the cure. And that's the lesson of the cross. Cross that line. Go behind it and hear what Jesus has to say. It's a message of life.